Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Well, we're in the book of Ruth, and we're entering into our second week, and we're entering into the second chapter. I'm entering my eighth year of post-high school education, and I'm a one-trick pony because every single bit of it's been in Bible. But I'm ashamed to say that I had to look into the table of contents to figure out where in the world the book of Ruth was. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. <laughs> the book of Ruth is a little tiny book right there in the Old Testament. You go through the first five books of the law, and then you got Joshua, Judges, Ruth right there. But it's, an, it's a really impactful story. And uh, if it is your first time with us this morning, I just want to welcome you. And uh, at Journey Church, I believe it's a big deal to be able to teach the Word of God. It is my favorite thing to do, to teach the Word of God. I get to do it at least once a week, sometimes twice a week to your students, and that's really awesome. But here at Journey Church, we like to break down boundaries and borders. Have you noticed that? We don't, we're not worried about economical boundaries, what you dress like. I, I try to push the envelope sometimes. I wore shorts on a Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, am I going to get some backlash from this? But then I came next Sunday morning, and there was 10 more people wearing shorts than there was the previous Sunday morning, so something must be going good for me. Sort of a trendsetter here. I like that. We don't have any race boundaries here, don't matter what color you are, what background you come from how much money you have. But one thing that we don't like to lighten the load here on at Journey Church is the Word of God. Amen. We believe that the Word of God is 100% the Word of God, that it is true, that it is accurate, that it is infallible, it is perfect, it is complete. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. And so this morning, I pray that you will journey with me through the Word of God, because even in this little tiny book of Ruth, all those years ago in the Old Testament, there is essential life-giving truth found therein. Absolutely. Awesome. So we're picking up in chapter two. Last week, we went to the first chapter of Ruth. And what happens in the life of Ruth is, is that there's a man and a woman. His name is Elimelech. That's his pretty sweet name. He's got a wife, Naomi, and they travel from Bethlehem to Moab. That's important because they travel from God's country to Moab, which historically worships false demonic gods. Pastor Randy touched on it briefly last week when he said, don't be unequally yoked. Well, they yoke themselves with foreign gods as friends, and they have two boys, and those boys marry Moabite women. So they unequally yoke amongst the women. And so now you have this blended family, not following the Lord. It's funny that when the Lord tells us to do stuff and we obey him, things seem to work out better. Amen. And when we don't, he always lets us know, doesn't he? In love. And so that's what takes place. And so now all the men die out. I don't know if it was a horrific jet ski and accident or what. I don't know. You know what men like to do. But all the men die out at basically the same time. In the same few span of years there, Limelech's gone. The two sons are gone. And Naomi is left with two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And Naomi has nothing left. She changes her name to Mara. She's bitter. She's depressed. She's in a really bad mood. And she says, I have nothing left. I guess I'll go home to Bethlehem. At least I know some people there. And she looks at her two daughters and she says, hey, neither one of you come with me. You have family here in Moab. You have safety, security, it seems, here in Moab. You guys stay behind. And one of the daughters, Orpah, says, yeah, okay, I'll stay behind, no big deal. And most of us would in that case, honestly. But Ruth says something incredible in chapter one. She says, your people are my people and your God is my God. And so something has taken place in Ruth during this time that she spent with Naomi, so much so that she wants to follow her back to God's country. That's important. And so here we jump into chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 is what we're going to be looking at today. 
And so I want you just to read along with me, if you have it, or on the screen there. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who came back with Naomi, uh, she is the, excuse me, servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is this young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So she's working hard out there. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me how you left your father and mother, your native land. You came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge." Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. The first thing you'll notice about chapter 2 is when you enter in. When we were in chapter 1, everything was going wrong for Naomi and Ruth. It was a rainy day, right? It was Kentucky rain on them. And so they come on to chapter 2, and all of the sudden, things begin to look up. It would even seem that Ruth is beginning to be lucky, if that is even the case. And so I want you to look at this scripture one more time, if we could throw it up there, starting in verse 1. And Naomi just happened to have a relative of her husband in that land. The husband dies, there's no one else to take care of them. The sons die, the older man, the younger two die. There's no other relatives, Naomi seems to say, but Ruth follows her in faith, and it just so happens that there is a relative of Elimelech alive and in that land. And it just so happens that Naomi gets up and goes to a field to work in to find food, and that field just so happens to belong to Boaz. And he just so happens to be coming in to work that day, about the time she's working in the field. And they just so happen to have an encounter, and he just so happens to lovingly accepts her as she is at that time and call out to her. And so I want you to pay attention to the way that God's working through the life of Ruth because he works in our lives the exact same way. When I was about 15 years old, I read this book called Don't Waste Your Life. And uh, it was an excellent book. I'm not going to tell you who it's by because you either love the guy or you hate the guy. But it was an excellent book. And then it did not change my behavior right away. But I had this worldview shift. You know what I'm saying? I was still a teenager and I did some dumb stuff. But then I reread the book at age 21. And it just completely opened my eyes to one truth. And that is, is that the Bible is true. It's 100% true. It's trustworthy. You can trust it. And sometimes when we look at the Bible, we may see some things that don't line up, honestly. We may see that God's saying this, and he's saying this, and those two things seem to clash. And so I want to venture to you, because we're about to look at one of those things in Ruth, is that when you see those things, you have to say that this is true, because God is true. And this is true, 
because God is true. Now, how are these things both true and working together for the ultimate purpose of God throughout Scripture? Because the Bible is what? True. 100% true. Let's look at the first point. I, have, I got a good Baptist sermon for you this morning. I got three points. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. But they're three really excellent points, I promise. So, point number one. The Lord knows what he is doing, and he works providentially in the life of Ruth. And so God pretty much, in a way, has two hands. He has, on one hand, he has this hand of miracles that are visible, tangible, obvious ways that he works in the world. When I was a baby, I actually almost died on a couple of occasions. I got brought home from the hospital, and my lungs were failing, so much so that I had to be brought back to the hospital and put in the ICU for about a week. And uh, I had some sort of condition called meconium aspiration. Now, if you're a new parent or have been to a newborn checkup, you, you latch hold of that first word, meconium. What is that? Well, it's poop. <laughs> it is the first newborn poop, right, that looks different and smells different before you get into the real stuff. And so that, that daggum youth pastor, he's wearing a hole in his jeans and he's preaching about poop up there. What are we going to do about him? I don't know. Get him off the stage. But what happened was is that right before I came out of my mom's tummy, I had a, a bowel movement, and it whoop, got into the lungs somehow. Happens to about one in ten kids. It's real common. It usually doesn't hurt them, because if you know what happens after the baby comes out, they get all that stuff out of their airway. But something happened with me. Undoubtedly, I got a lot of it. And so my mom, for my whole life, has always been able to say, you've been full of poop since the day you were born. <laughs> And it's not just a funny joke, but it's actually a scientific insight. Like, it's, <laughs> isn't that something? But God worked a miracle in my life. On two occasions, I think my mom said she really thought I was going to die. My O2 levels got really low. My lungs were failing, like I said. I almost asphyxiated a couple times. And God worked a miraculous miracle in that he rejuvenated me to the point where I've never really had any problems with my lungs. That's a miracle of the Lord. Amen. 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 But God doesn't just work in that way. As a matter of fact, he more frequently works in another way, where he has a providential hand, where he's working people and circumstances in your life behind the scenes to bring you closer to him and to reveal himself to you. And a lot of times we're too busy looking for the miraculous hand that we miss all these things that he's doing over here that we don't have the covenant eyes to see. And then we get like Ruth and Naomi did and we get down. And we begin not to trust God. We begin not to trust his word because we're over here waiting for the miraculous. And God is working tiny little miracles providentially in our life over here. Because scripture says it's a promise that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Amen? Amen. And so that's what he's doing in the life of Ruth, man. He's working providentially. She just so happened to be in this country, just so happened to run into this awesome guy named Boaz, and just so happened to meet him on this day. So Ruth sort of found herself alone and uh, in a very vulnerable spot. Any of you guys felt like that? Alone? And she was looking for someone safe. And so she did something incredible. Let's just talk about this for a moment. Is that Ruth had active faith. She had active faith. It says in the first few verses there, if you were following along with me, that Ruth made a decision to get up and go work in the field, and Naomi, she voluntarily, excuse me, got up and went, and Naomi said, yeah, you can go. And so a lot of times we fall victim to having passive faith. 
So a lot of you single guys out there, if you want to get married, you say, I believe God's going to provide for me, but if you come to my house, you're going to find clothes strode all over the floor. I haven't shaved in weeks, okay? If you have no active faith, God's not going to bless you with that. And a lot of times we think God is big and he's going to work on our behalf, and that's true. But God calls us into cooperation with him. It's a privilege to be able to do that with him. It is a blessing. And many of you say, think and pray, well, I want my kids to be godly when they grow up. But you're not teaching them. You're not reading the Bible with them. You're not plucking them up and bringing them to church with you. You have a passive faith. Many of us want our spouse, our husband, who won't come to church. We've been faithfully coming for years and bringing our children, but I just want to submit to you, please pray for him. Pray actively hard for him. Pray for him. Have an active faith that God will bless. Have hard conversations with him in love, and God will bless those. Do not fall victim to having a passive faith. Ruth was rewarded for her active faith because there is a condition to God's blessings. Amen? There really is. Look at the Old Testament. Read the story of Abraham. And the condition is F-A-I-T-H, faith. We are saved by what? Faith. Active faith. Point number two, we've got to move fast because you know me. <laughs> Boaz was unlike anything Ruth had ever known before in that he was safe. Amen. He was Safe. When Ruth meets Boaz in these verses, let's think about who Ruth is and what she has to offer Boaz. Because she's single, he's single. That's part of the great love story of Ruth. And uh, Ruth, at this point, she's homeless. She doesn't have a home. Okay, she's begging in this guy's field for food. Okay, she's a widow, which means she's not a virgin, which is a big deal to this guy. She's getting older. She has no children and no offspring. If you're a mama's boy and your mama's really keen on who you bring home, you know, some of y'all are out there, mama's boys, Ruth doesn't fit that potential spouse, you know what I'm saying? She's not, she's not really uh, blowing mom away when you bring her home. That says a lot about who Ruth is and who Ruth was, but let's look at who Boaz is and who Boaz was. Verses 4 and 5 and 8 and 9 Give us a glimpse, if you're following along, that he was a very special man. I'll read those. Let me read verse 4 for real, because that's a good one. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And then in 8 and 9, he says to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So Boaz has the father heart of God. He calls Ruth his daughter. Safe people have the father heart of God. Safe people follow God in every aspect of their life. That's something we notice right off the bat about Boaz. Boaz is just coming into the story. The first thing we learn about Boaz is that he talks about God at his place of work. He does. That's the first thing we notice about him in verse 4. He comes in, he sees his servants, he says, the Lord be with you. And they say, and the Lord bless you today. He has that relationship. He follows God every day on the grind, 10 to f 9 to 5. Dolly Parton, I had to get that one. He's working 9 to 5. And so you, yeah, yeah, y'all are impressed. I know that song, aren't you? <laughs> if you are a business owner or if you have employees working under you, do they see that about you? Is that the first thing they notice about you when you come into work each and every morning, that you have been walking with God the night before and the morning before you come into work? If you are an employee even though your boss might not be a God follower per se, can he or she recognize that in you? Can they see that 
Your spirituality, your religion, even more so your relationship with God has invaded every aspect of your life until that's the first thing that people notice about you. Boaz was safe because he followed the Lord in every aspect of his life. That made him a safe person. Our decisions when we are vulnerable like Ruth can, Ruth can be disastrous sometimes. So many men in this context with Ruth needing safety and security would have taken advantage of her. Amen. What does that say about Boaz and who he was and men who aspire to be like Boaz? He's a comforter even like a daughter. Because you see there are safe people and there are dangerous people in this world. Amen? Amen. There are. There's a spectrum that people reside on, either here or here or here. And one of the questions that you should ask yourself as you leave today is, am I surrounding myself with safe people? Amen. And a better question maybe even is, what does safety look like? What does that involve? What does that include? Boaz's safety was vitally connected to his generosity. While other business owners, field owners, and other men, it even mentions, don't go to other people's fields, while they're feeding their own desires... Boaz is a self-sacrificial man. He's a very giving man. He's got the, all this wealth. It's easy to see he's wealthy in this story. He's got this field, and he's offering it. He's a generous man. People who have a God-given disposition to be generous are not focused on themselves, but they are focused on who and how they can love. People who have a God-given disposition to be generous are not focused on themselves, but they're focused on who and how they can love. You can write that one down. That's pretty good. <laughs> my final point as you look at Boaz and Ruth point number three there is no safer place than under the wings of the God of Israel Amen. no safer place and so so far we've been talking about Ruth and Boaz and sort of like this microscopic view of what's going on between them two but now I want you to take a step back from the scripture as we get to the last few verses and look at verse 12. It is the climactic verse. Uh, if we can get verse 12 up there. The Lord repay you for what you done, have done. There it is. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. One thing we want to notice here as we stare at that verse up there, because I want you to get that one in your mind, is that Boaz is not doing the repaying here. God is. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. Ruth has had everything stripped away from her, and perhaps she's even made the unsafe choice. When you really think about it, it seems like it on the outside. She could have stayed with her people in Moab. She knew everybody, got some cousins there. But instead, she uprooted her life and followed Naomi, who's in a very delicate, depressed state, might I add, and clung to her. Ruth had faithfulness, but she saw no fruit from her faithfulness at this point in time. But she continued to be faithful. Many of you are faithful for years, and you really think that your faith is bearing no fruit. But I want you to understand that there is no safer place to be, whatever your circumstances look like on the outside of your life, than to be, take, take refuge underneath the wings of God. Because he will always show up right in the nick of time when you need him the most. He is faithful, so you be faithful. John Wesley said it like this. He's an old preacher guy. He's dead for a couple hundred years. He said, God works, therefore I must work. 
God is faithful. Keep that verse up there uh, for me. I'm sorry, verse 12. I'm going to dwell there for just a couple minutes. We're going to be done. Here we see the word for favor or grace. How did she receive this favor? You can interpret verse 12 in one of two ways, okay? And this is really important. You can say that perhaps verse 12 means that Ruth had good behavior. God's someone who repays good behavior. Therefore, Ruth was repaid for her good behavior. And if you cling to your stuff and your security and your righteousness and your good behavior, you'd love to interpret that, vo- that verse in that way. I'm good, so God's going to be good to me. It's all about behavior, but there's something deeper here. There's something more in this verse here. You could also interpret it by knowing that Ruth was in a very special state spiritually, that she understood exactly who she was, that she was powerless to do any good, honestly, that she was reliant upon God to provide all that she needs, that she had nothing but her faith, nothing but her faith when she left to go back to Bethlehem. And she, at some point in her life, had come to know the God of Israel, to know him and to be known by him. And she had taken, at some point, refuge underneath the wings of God so that she would never, ever leave because she knew that was the only place she would find that satisfaction, that life source, that safety. Instead of the false safety that sometimes we put in relatives, comfortability, my house, my car, my job, It's all false safety. Moab was a false sense of security. The real security was in Bethlehem where she had nothing but her faith and the God of Israel's wings covering her. (laughs) Ruth saw a safe person in Boaz not because of his stuff. It could have been because of his stuff, but because he was like her. Look at their resumes. They're nothing alike. She has nothing. She's hungry. She's broke. Boaz has money, he has food, he has status. But one thing that they have in common is that they both love the Lord. They both knew the Lord. They both found refuge underneath the wings of God. And she was able to identify that in him immediately. And that's what made him a safe person, is that he too was underneath the wings of God. And so as we close, I ask you, number one, is your righteousness and your security found in the goodness of God alone and not in your own goodness, which is a false place of security? But he provides all the goodness that is the righteousness of Christ that is placed upon you when you come to know him. Is your security and safety found in him so that no matter what you go through in your life, what circumstance you are facing right now, you know that you are underneath his wings and you are in the safest place that you can be. Number two, are you looking and surrounding yourself with other safe people and they're safe not because they have money to offer you or a place to stay to offer you, but they're safe because they know the Lord, they're following the Lord. They're underneath the wings of the God of Israel as well. And number three, are you being a safe person to others? Are you not only standing under the wings of the God of Israel yourself, but are you inviting others into that with you? Are you inviting others underneath the wings of the God of Israel as well? I pray that the Lord will speak to you this morning and let you know that there is only one truly safe place, and it is underneath those wings of the God who loves you with the Father's heart of God. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and your word. God, thank you for this little story that has so much impactful truth, God. God, I pray that as we close up this morning that you will allow everyone to examine themselves in light of Scripture. 
and examine themselves in light of Ruth and Boaz and say, whether I have a lot, whether I'm a rich person or a poor person, it doesn't matter to God. Am I holy? Am I finding my true safety and security underneath the wings, being known by God and knowing him deeply? Or am I finding my safety and security in other things? Am I also clinging to people who are not safe because they're finding their safety in false things? Or am I hoarding all this safety for myself and I'm not inviting others into that safety, God? I pray that we would, we would pray that earnestly this morning, God. I pray that your spirit would move and that people would begin to open their hands to you, God, and realize that their generosity is a reflection of their walk with you, God. And knowing that the greatest blessing, the greatest element, uh, one of the great elements of safety is to be a generous person, God. Because you are a generous God to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.